because he has a heart for the Latin people. It's the most underdeveloped ministry in our church, wow. is the Latino ministry. And I don't know about you, when I look around Ventura County, I see a lot of Latinos. I just wish I could speak their language. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we have been going, uh, uh, going over special missions. It's been great. We'll give you the, uh, the results next week. Uh, thank you so much for your sacrifice. That's kind of the, our, our, our uh, mission field that we, we sacrifice to. And a lot of people that don't know God. And uh, because of your sacrifice, they get a chance to, to have an opportunity to get met and reached out to. Um, our current goal right now before we took the collection up was 10300 We're hoping next week we just blow past that. That would be awesome. Um, but we've been talking about the trap that we all can fall into. And that's, and that's comparing ourselves to others. We've been talking about our incessant, you know, this, this tendency. It's, it's never-ending. It's there. It's day-to-day that we like to compare ourselves to other people. And the takeaway we took was there's no win in comparison. Because there's always someone bigger, richer, skinnier, taller, smarter, prettier, happier, and hipper. Yeah, I try to be hip with haircuts and shirts, but I fail. I fail. I tried. At least the legends last night, they had a, they had a ceremony for the upcoming 8th graders going into the teens. They kept saying, hey, I like your hair. I said, oh, thanks, man, because I, I thought she messed it up. I'm, I'm so glad you like it. You know, once we hit the Ur, we like this land of Ur because, you know, there's, it, 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 it's a place where we can start to feel good when we start comparing ourselves. Like, I'm better, so I'm Ur. I'm in that land of Ur. And I'm more talented Ur, if that's a word. And we start kind of, we, we kind of like this earnest about us. And we almost get our self-worth and our value when we compare ourselves and we find ourselves, ooh, I'm a one-upper. I'm an er. And when we go to er sometimes, then we like to be the est, the pretty est, the smart est, the, the happy est, the more viewed est, the more retweeted est, the more everything est. And so what we found yesterday, last week was, there's no win and compare I sin. There is no a win. And sometimes we use other things as a, as a reference point. Uh, we crash into this question. Who or what am I going to use as my reference point to tell me that I'm okay? And we have that reference point. And the problem with using other, other people is that we compare ourselves to their highlight reel versus their entire life. That's why when you go to movies, you walk away going, oh, I feel terrible about myself. Well, that's the highlight reel. And besides, they're actors. Right? And we sort of compare ourselves. And we're inundated with, you know, being compared. That we're not pretty enough. Our skin isn't soft enough. Our skin isn't light enough. Geo. Right? Remember my struggle? Anyone with lighter skin? I go, I wish I had your skin. I, I, this morning I woke up going, I wish I was 5'9". I had that thought thinking about this lesson going, why didn't God make me 5'9"? I could have done so much more with my life, I guess. <laughs> you know, I went to my high school reunion. 20 years. 
And all the people that I was like, oh my gosh. Were like, back then, I was like, I wish I was more like them. I'd always be comparing myself. 20 years later, I'm going like, I'm so grateful the way God made me. (laughs) Because in 20 years, a lot has happened. I didn't even recognize people. I was like, whoa, what's your... Whoa! Look at her name badge. It was crazy. And all those years in high school, I was always worried about, oh, how do I compare to them? You know, at, at the reunion... I realized no one really cared as much as when we were in high school. And sometimes we use the wrong reference point. As Solomon says, envy rots the bones. Um, In James, it says, for where you find envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Even in Job it says, resentment kills a fool and envy slays the simple. So today Jesus, in his parable, gives us further instruction and he tells a parable that surfaces a very uncomfortable tension for anyone who believes in God. Behind your envy is is a notion that God maybe shortchanged you. God withheld something from your part of the creation. Because He gave this other person something you want so badly. And so therefore, there's this feeling that he, God may owe you something. But Jesus says different. Look in your Bibles with me in Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to have you look in your Bible this time. Versus um, it being on the board. It's, it's, quite a, it's quite a parable. So I want us to look into it. And we're going to delve into it. And we're going to really get the meaning out of this parable. And looking through the lens of the comparison angle. And how we compare ourselves to others. And in verse 14 of Matthew 25. Jesus continues on a theme here. It says, again, it meaning the kingdom of heaven. So when you see it, if you read above, it says he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. Will be like a man going on a journey. Who called his servants... And entrusted his wealth. Literally that means possessions to them. God entrusted his possessions, his wealth to his servants. And I'm thinking, wow, what an amazing opportunity for those slaves. That God would entrust his possessions, his wealth to them. Which means, entrusted meaning... He expected them to manage his wealth the way God would manage the wealth. When he gave it to them, there was an expectation of them managing it like he managed it. That's why he was able to give it away. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags of gold. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Now, The ability to what? To manage what they had seen the master do according to their ability. Uh, The measurement of weight there, a bag of gold equals a talent. Measure of weight is approximately 75 pounds of either gold or silver. That's quite a little bit of money there. And 20 years of labor is equivalent to the talent of gold he gave. 
So he gave them a career. It's a lump sum. Here's your 20-year money career in advance. For the record, I want you to know that most of you are two-baggers. You're not a three-bagger. You're not a one-bagger. Most of us here are two-baggers. Okay? We wish we had had the third, but we're grateful we didn't get the one. What about a two-bagger? And they're, they're with these two bags, and there's, you know, there's a guy with five, and a guy with one. We're happy we have what we have. And then he goes on his journey in verse end of 15. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, in other words, traded, and gave five bags more. That was expected of him. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole into the ground, and hid his master's money. Thinking, what can I do with one bag? I'm just going to hide it. After a long time, after a lifetime, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. You know, there's one thing for sure. At the end of your life, This parable teaches us that God will settle His account with you. Whether you are a two-bagger, or maybe a one-bagger, or a three. That at the end of your lifetime, Jesus wants you to know that you will settle your life account with the Master. That's encouraging and scary. And one hand, I'm encouraged because I get to interact with them. It's going to be awesome. I get to see him for the first time. But on the other hand, he wants to settle the account. He left expecting me to do something with what he gave me. He left you expecting what he gave you to do something with what he gave you. So the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with the five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse verse 22. The man who with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me. Remember, he expected. We had two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness, just like the other guy. Remember, it's according to the, their ability. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. In other words, he's saying, I know you're a winner-take-all kind of guy. I know that's your approach to business. I know you take advantage of every opportunity, and you don't even try to be fair. I know this about you. So I was afraid, in verse 25. Oh, afraid of what? Maybe he's afraid of what, what, if he'd lose the money. Maybe he feared. What if I lose it? I'm scared. So I went out and hid your gold in the ground. Right next to St. Joseph. 
See, here is what belongs to you. I didn't do anything with the opportunity you gave me. I didn't do a single thing. But here is exactly what you gave me. I'm going to give you exactly what you gave me and return it to you. And so God replies. His master says, You wicked, worthless, lazy servants. Notice God's view of him and notice his view of himself. He viewed himself, well, I was scared. And when you hear that, you're going like, well, yeah, he must be he was scared. And, you know, we got to, you know. God's view of him was, no, you weren't scared. You were lazy. You see, sometimes we convince ourselves that we're scared and we paralyze ourselves. And we view ourselves that way. But you have to understand something. When God set us account, the truth will be revealed. And the truth here was, he wasn't scared. He was lazy. See, that truth kind of hurts, doesn't it? You're like, man, how did I approach special missions contribution? Was I, did I convince myself I'm scared? Or is God going to really realize that I didn't really put a lot of effort into it? See, these are the things that in your lifetime, God will settle the account. That's encouraging and scary. This guy didn't do anything criminal. He just didn't do anything. That was the difference. So God replies, So you knew that I harvest where I do not sow, and gather where I don't scatter seeds. In other words, you knew that I look for every angle and every opportunity, but you didn't even try. You weren't even looking. You didn't do what I would do with the way I would have treated the same amount of gold. See, there are expectations in Christianity. Expectations for your life. I call it the first principle. Putting God first. If you want your family to be godly, then put God first in your family. God will bless that. If you want God to bless your finances, then put God first in your finances and God will bless that. It's whatever you put first, God will bless. I call it the first principle. So if I put God first in my family, what I tend to reap is the blessings from God's specific direction on how to live with people under the same roof. How to train my children, how to live with my wife, how to love my wife. But over all those things, I am putting God first and I get to reap that blessing. And in verse 27, the master continues. And the master being God in the parable. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And, and the point here is, is this is, he was even too lazy to do that. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. That's not fair. God's not trying to be fair. God's going to give to those who have a desire to fulfill their ability and expectations of doing His will. See, a lot of times, there are two things in play here. We have our dreams, and then there's God's dreams. And our dreams go away from God's dream. We have dreams, but they take us away from God. They're kind of like shadow mission dreams. But then there's God's dream. God has a dream for all of us. And so, we have to decide which dream we want to pursue. 
Our own dream or God's dream? Still in this parable, like every good leader, you know, more opportunity to those who are responsible. And so in verse 29 he says, For those who have been given more, for those who have, who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, meaning frustration. The weeping and gnashing is a, is a, is a description of, of someone who's frustrated. That they're, they're, they gave into their fear and they're frustrated. They gave into their laziness and they're frustrated. And the point of this parable is what you have is less important than what you do with what you have. Whether you have one bag, two bag, and you compare, well, if I had three bags, I would have, I would have handled it differently. You know, I have too much. If I was given one bag, see, my parents really spoiled me, and so my, my parents shouldn't have done that. I should have had one bag, then I would have had character, and then I would have done something about it. See, we're always comparing ourselves whether I, I needed more or I needed less. And when you see someone with three bags, you ought to celebrate with that person and leverage what you have. Because at some point, you will come crashing into what we've said from the beginning. There's no win in comparison. It's a lose-lose. Others have had less or more than you in every one of these categories we've talked about life. But isn't it interesting that individuals who begin their lives in the most unfair or uneven circumstances of life sometimes outperform those who've been given a more of a fair share? So what I did was I googled some people who were poor, who were one-baggers, and now are three-baggers. And Google popped up Celine Dion. Pretty decent singer. I didn't know she grew, she was one of 14 children. I didn't know that she was French-Canadian. I didn't know her parents struggled to provide food when she was young. I didn't know she'd become a five-time Grammy winner. I didn't know she'd, her net worth would be over $400 million. She didn't know that either. One bagger. Then I did some more Googling. And I found out this lady named J.K. Rowling was a struggling single mother. J.K. Rowling, I said, who in the world is that? (laughs) Who is that? Who is this person? And as I kept reading, she's the author of the Harry Potter series. I go, oh, oh, oh. I ought to pay more attention. I didn't know she was a struggling single mom. A one-bagger. I didn't know that. Living off uh, the government welfare checks but she managed to write and she wrote a phenomenal series her net worth is over one billion dollars I didn't know that imagine if these people just gave in to their fears then there's this this lady named Oprah She grew up in a small farm in Mississippi, living with her grandmother and single mother. 
she was sexually assaulted by a relative at age nine. I mean, if she just... You can just stop right there. As long as she just has a breath in her life, you're like, hey, well, you know, you've been traumatized. You've been, that destroys people. Sexual abuse destroys you. I don't know how she did it. She's worth $2.7 billion. She's a media mogul. And before he was the governor, before his, before his pumping iron documentary, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a poor immigrant from Austria. He begged and borrowed to get enough money to start his first business, and that was pumping bricks, which he used to finance his bodybuilding career. And we know how that turned out. Six-time Mr. Olympia. I know that because I just recently watched the documentary. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym. So I, you know when you get tired of going to the gym, like, I need some motivation. <laughs> so I put on Arnold pumping iron, and I got pretty discouraged. And I got pretty... <laughs> and then I got a little fired up, you know. <laughs> so maybe you're a two-bagger. Maybe you're a one-bagger. If you start comparing yourselves to others, You'll convince yourself you're too afraid to do anything. And then what, how God would see that is that you're just being lazy. Every minute you spend comparing yourself to someone else is a minute you're wasting and in fulfilling God's God-given potential He gave you. Every minute you spend comparing yourself to someone else is a minute you subtly accuse God of shortchanging you. Solomon says every time you give in to envy, you give away your peace, and it begins to rot your bones. So here's what I, what I suggest you do. Take your cue from the one who made you, the one who loves you, and the one who redeemed you. Celebrate what God has given others, and fully leverage what God has given you. In other words, if you're a one-bagger, be excited for the two-bagger. If you're a two-bagger, be excited for the three-bagger. But at the same time, leverage what He gave you. Do something with your ability. And don't compare yourselves to others. Because God's given us a race to run. So let's run it. But you'll never discover it by comparing yourself to others. Or to somebody else. You have your own race to run. Run your race. What are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? What will you do? You know where you stand. You know how many bags of gold you have. The question is, what are you going to do with it? One thing I would discourage you from doing is don't compare yourselves to other people. Because you will not win that race. Focus on what God's given you and take hold of that. That's what that parable is trying to teach us. Is take hold and take responsibility for yourself. And don't convince yourself that you're scared. But grab hold of what God's given you and fulfill your potential. Have a great afternoon. And that concludes our service for this morning. Thank you.